Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show across the state of Georgia and beyond. Streaming today on Facebook Live, all the technical problems overcome. I am thankfully recovering. Uh, my voice may break. I'm, I'm, I sound like I'm going through puberty. My kid and I uh, on Tuesday, well, he had been sick over the weekend and just got progressively worse. And man, on Tuesday... I got to be about 8, 8.30 on Tuesday night, and I could just tell something was wrong. Uh, fever and the like, it was just gross. Uh, I went to bed Tuesday night and woke up sometime after noon, sometime around 1 o'clock on Wednesday. It was awful. So uh, thanks to Jim and Charlie for being able to get a best of up yesterday. Uh, and, you know, I, I feel fine today. I, I slept uh, ridiculous. I barely slept last night. I think I slept so much the night before. But good grief, the the 10-year-old, he's better too. His, his head's still a bi- pile of snot, but... We kept him home Tuesday and yesterday, and he's back at school today. So, okay, uh, we got a lot. We got a lot to cover from yesterday when I was gone. We got to get into the Curtis situation. We got a lot to cover from today. There is breaking news you need to know about uh, right now, though. Uh, Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is—he's uh, not expressly condemning President Trump allowing Turkey to kill the Kurds in northern Syria. He is, however, saying that he is uh, going to offer any assistance he can, humanitarian or militarily, to help the Kurds in northern Syria. This is a dramatic escalation of a situation. President Trump said he was going to de-escalate, but there's another big story happening now as well. Um, the uh, Apple computer, Apple Inc. now, and I am a big Apple fan, so this pains me, but we all knew this was going to come. Um Apple has decided that it is going to um, ban an app from the App Store in Hong Kong that Hong Kong protesters were using to see where the police are. They, they had taken the app out of the App Store. They put it back in after protest. The Chinese government loudly protested using Chinese propaganda arms to go after Apple. So Apple has recanted and has this morning confirmed to the New York Times it is deleting the app, claiming that the Hong Kong protesters were using it to target the police. The unarmed Hong Kong protesters were using it to target the armed police. Right. So Apple is yet another American corporate commie. What's so interesting here is that Apple's CEO, like so many CEOs in this country, are perfectly willing to weigh in on social justice issues in this country. They're willing to be woke, uh, but when it comes to China... They are perfectly happy to be quiet. Uh, It genuinely is ridiculous to watch uh, all of these super woke people in the United States who are are willing to stand up and loudly talk about issues in this country uh, and be as woke as possible on social issues in this country, suddenly going silent when it comes to China. The NBA last night in Washington, D.C., a mile from where the actual physical Declaration of Independence and uh, First Amendment reside in the National Archives, a mile from there, a mile away from the Bill of Rights, NBA security was pulling Americans out of the Washington Wizards game for holding up signs about Hong Kong. One of the signs, all the sign did was say, Google Hong Kong, or no, Google Uyghurs, Google Uyghurs. That's it. Didn't say anything else, just Google Uyghurs. And the NBA staff pulled the people, I knew, by the way, some of them are friends of mine, 
who went with these uh, signs, and uh, the the Washington Wizards had them ejected from the game. The NBA say nothing. Uh, Steph Curry, who uh, all the time is willing to stand up and be loud and proud about woke issues in the United States, they put a microphone in his face to ask him what he thought about all this. You want to say publicly on certain issues? No, I think this one just from it's a league-wide situation in our presence in China. It's just it's just a different conversation, I think, than what we have normally. Uh, Coach talking about gun violence or gender equality or things that uh, for us is being uh, spokespeople for people who can't speak for themselves within our communities that that makes a huge impact. This situation is is a, is a huge weight and, mat and gravity to it, and there's going to be many some things that need to be sorted out. But I just don't know enough about Chinese history and, and that and what that how that's influenced you know modern society today he doesn't know enough about chinese history uh, the chinese communist he doesn't know enough about communism to speak out uh this, this is steph Curry, who's willing to speak out on on guns he's willing to speak out on gender equality he's willing to speak out on all these issues but he's not willing to speak out on that uh steve kerr is also not willing to speak out on it steve kerr is the uh coach for uh, what well, he—he's the Warriors coach, isn't he? Uh, he a left-wing progressive guy, not willing to speak out on China. He's willing to speak out on uh, gay rights. He's willing to speak out on gender equality. He's willing to speak out on gun violence. He's willing to attack the president of the United States. He's willing to do all of these things. Steve Kerr is uh, as an NBA coach in the league. Steve Kerr is reliably progressive, reliably progressive, and on China. Obviously, the big story in the league right now is you know, Daryl Morey's tweet and everything going on with China. Do you have any thoughts on uh, that situation? Um, actually, I don't. I mean, it's a, it's a really, it's a really bizarre international story, and um, a lot of us are, you know, don't know what to make of it. So. Um, it's something I'm reading about, and, uh, just like everybody is, but I'm not going to comment further than that. Hey, uh, amazing. A, a man who's willing to comment on stuff that he knows nothing about in this country is unwilling to comment on that. Here's Ted Cruz talking about this issue. You're right. We've seen the NBA falling all over itself to backtrack, and, and everybody understands why. Uh, there's big money in China, and the NBA, NBA teams make a whole lot of money uh, broadcasting in China, having subscriptions in China, having online subscriptions, having fans there. Uh, but that, that being said, it, you know, I think this really shows how China tries to use uh, economic coercion and blackmail uh, to get American companies to, to engage in censorship. Uh-huh. Economic blackmail to get American companies to engage in censorship. Now, a voice of reason on all of this is Jason Whitlock, uh, the sports analyst. Listen to this guy. When people start talking about globe, being a global citizen, I don't think people really understand what that means for right. American culture. And I think for a lot of the everyday 
typical American sports fan, this is an educational experience. This is what people have been talking about. We can't let our corporations, our country being totally driven by China because it's driving our culture. These basketball players, LeBron James, James Harden actually apologized on behalf of Daryl Morey to the Chinese government. We're apologizing to a communist government, and then we have athletes here and coaches like Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich that rail against our government. <laughs> yes, yes. They rail against our government routinely. Uh, Steve, Steve Jobs, Tim Cook, uh, routinely takes strident positions in this country on uh, issues, social justice issues, filing amicus briefs in the Supreme Court for a host of causes. He's got one right now on, I, I believe, the DREAM Act, of all things. Um, it, this routinely happens. And they don't want to say anything about China. But it's not just them. You know, Josh Rogan in the Washington Post pointed out a story I had completely forgotten about. Uh, the uh, Marriott fired an employee in Omaha, Nebraska. The The employee, employee was based in Omaha, Nebraska. And Marriott fired the employee. Why? Because the employee liked a pro-Tibet uh, tweet on Twitter. And China demanded the employee be fired. And so Marriott fired the employee. American Airlines and United have removed references to Taiwan in their in-flight maps because China demanded it. Um, Hollywood, let, let's not forget Hollywood. So to Tencent, uh, which is the company that blasted the NBA and, and had the um, had the viewership deal, the billion-dollar deal with NBA to show NBA games in China, blasted the NBA. Uh, Tencent is also behind the uh, new Top Gun release. And Maverick's jacket in Top Gun had a Taiwan patch and a, Jap a, a patch of Japan on it. Uh, those have now been removed in the new movie because the Chinese did not want the Taiwan patch on, the, on his jacket. You know, Disney, an internal memo leaked from ESPN uh, showing that uh, ESPN management uh, has ordered its employees not to talk about Chinese politics. ESPN, employees at ESPN have routinely talked about politics in the United States and suddenly they're not going to talk about the politics in China they're not going to talk about Hong Kong they're not going to talk about any of that and the reason is because ESPN is owned by Disney Disney has five or seven five I think billion dollar box offices this year the Lion King Aladdin Avengers Endgame um what are the other ones um oh, they've had so many um in any event they're having to tell their ESPN network, you can't talk about China. Because Disney relies on China's... And by the way, Disney owns half of Hollywood now. So can you imagine how what Disney is going to do to stand up to China? Can you imagine what's going to happen there in terms of how movies are developed in Hollywood, what they cover and what they don't cover, because Disney is beholden to the Chinese markets like Apple is. You know, ironically, one of the companies that's not uh, caving to China, one of the companies that is not backing down is Facebook. I'm streaming live on Facebook right now, and Facebook is standing up to the Chinese. Uh, WhatsApp is owned by Facebook. And uh, yesterday, Mark Zuckerberg ordered Facebook to block 
uh, the Hong Kong police from using WhatsApp. The reason was because there were confirmed reports that the Hong Kong police were trying to entrap and otherwise track Hong Kong protest- protesters uh, through WhatsApp. So Facebook blocked the Hong Kong police force's access to WhatsApp. Think about that. They were banning accounts from using WhatsApp. Now, Hong, uh, Facebook will not even operate in mainland China. And the reason Facebook won't operate in mainland China is because in, in China, under Chinese law, if you operate in China, you have to store your servers in China. So the Chinese can get in and analyze your technology and potentially steal it, but China can also get into your servers and track their citizens. Do you know it would be very easy with Facebook's algorithms if they were to operate in China for China to round up all the Christians or the the Muslim minorities in China and execute them, which is what they're doing right now. There's more and more undercover footage coming out of the Chinese rounding up religious minorities in China and killing them, bulldozing more churches in China. They've escalated the persecution of Christians and Muslims in China. And American corporations uh, want to turn a blind eye. Steph Curry wants to talk about equality in this country, cannot even bring himself to open a newspaper and see what's happening in China. But, you know, that raises another issue as well with what's going on in China and how things are covered. Look at CNN. CNN is owned by Warner. Warner is owned by AT&T. What if Warner uh, has a movie that is critical of China? Will CNN be able to cover? Will CNN be able to continue to cover China critically? Or will Warner be blackballed in the Chinese box office? If Disney is worried about ESPN, what about Warner and and CNN? This is going to be something that we have to pay attention to. Same with Fox, by the way. Fox certainly has interest, although now that Fox has divested uh, 20th Century Fox to Disney, it is less to worry about, but it still has some concern there. It does try to make business interest in, in Asia. NBC, certainly NBC, Universal, Comcast. What about that? Uh, can NBC cover this stuff without Universal being hit? CBS Viacom? You know, there are rules uh, in this country on media ownership. If, you're, if you own an American media outlet, you have to be majority American. But what if you're a significant proportion of a Chinese company owning American media? Where do we get the news from about China? Increasingly, we're seeing American corporations willing to cave to China. We are seeing American corporations willing to take bold stands in the United States of America and never say a word when it comes to, the, comes to issues in China. They're willing to call us out on social wokeness in this country but bend over backwards in China. Now, we should not be surprised because these corporations have a history in the United States of opposing uh, religious liberty. They have a history of of supporting pro-life legislation. We should not be surprised that woke corporations in this country that oppose religious liberty and life are willing to shut up about a communist country that doesn't have religious liberty and routinely forcibly aborts children. Because that is the corporate values of many of these woke com- companies. In fact, wokeness is just another form of authoritarianism. We see wokeness in this country being used to round up and silence people and hound them out of jobs for daring to deviate from the woke line. That is authoritarian. They, they behave exactly as the Chinese do. So, of course, we see American corporations siding with an authoritarian regime because if they had their way in this country, they would be just as authoritarian. You know, as as an aside, as someone who does conservative talk radio, I'm deeply mindful that there are woke corporations that would never advertise with me while they will routinely advertise with a, a woke progressive outlet. 
You can GE will sponsor uh, left wing news sites. GE would not run an ad on a conservative news site. Uh, there, there's no way they would. Uh, woke corporations will side with their own and they will fund money that way. Uh, you wonder sometimes you look on Fox or your typical conservative talk show. What's the uh, what's up with ads? Well, what's up with ads is a lot of major corporate powers will not advertise with conservatives because they're progressive and and they will shut it. You know, I used to do it. I was a longtime customer of Harry's Razors. Uh, Harry's, I like Harry's. Uh, Harry's makes good razors. I use Harry's. I'm actually staring. I, I got Harry's razors on my desk. But uh, progressives complained, so you're not going to hear Harry's ads here. They'll side with the left. Routinely, progressive corporations side with authoritarian regimes, and we need to be mindful of that. The phone lines are open, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. I was going to start with this. I decided that I would spare the agony of, of uh, I didn't want everybody immediately turning the radio off. We, we, need to, we need to talk about what happened. In 1982, the Braves management decided to remove Chief Nakahoma's teepee from the left field to make room for more seats in the Fulton County Park. They would then blow a 10-game lead, losing 15 of their next 16 games in 19 of 21 before recovering in time to win their second National League West Division title. That's right. They got rid of Chief Nakahoma's teepee, and they were cursed. And they did terrible. Last night... Because one Cardinals player complained and said it was insensitive to pass out the Tomahawks, the Braves not only refused to pass out Tomahawks, but decided to give the Cardinals 10 runs out of the gate. It was embarrassing. They caved to political correctness and just handed the game to the Cardinals so that they couldn't be accused of being bad, intolerant white people. Just pitiful. Pitiful. It was an awful game. I I, I felt well enough last night. I decided I would go with my wife and grab something to eat. We went right across the street to a, a restaurant. We were tired of having to deal with the kids. Sat down, and I a uh, text from a friend of mine said, this is incredible. They've lost the game and haven't even gotten to bat yet. And I thought, what, what happened? I hadn't seen. And they turned the TV, and there was a collective groan in the restaurant. See, you smite Chief Nakahoma and tradition, and look what happens, Braves. Look what happens. A lot of Braves fans were highly outraged. And I see the AJC today is making it be a Republican. Say, no, 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 no. Stop with your silly, it's all about politics angle. No, it wasn't. Your average Brave fan was actually in the stands doing the tomahawk chop last night, trying to rally. But there were no tomahawks to be seen because the Braves caved to political correctness because of one outraged Cardinals player who undoubtedly knew about the curse of Chief Nakahoma and the Braves fell for the trap. Just pitiful.
it was it was an embarrassing end. I, I I have a lot of friends who are very angry with Freddie Freeman as well. They're ju- they're genuinely angry with him. Pitiful, pitiful, pitiful. Um, I, I did see somebody sent me a funny cartoon. It was of um, oh, what's uh, what's his name? Freddie from um, is Freddie from Scooby Doo pulling the mask off of the the Braves. <laughs> And it's the Falcons are actually playing for the Braves. I assumed it was the Tennessee Volunteers that were on the field for the Braves. Uh, I didn't think anybody could suck as badly as them. But, man, maybe it was the Vols playing last night on the field. It is Eric Erickson here. You can call in and be a part of the program. 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. I want to steal from a friend of mine and, and give you kind of an outline of the Curtis situation in Syria. As you know, we had 100 advisors. They were military advisors. They were special operators in northern Syria. And as long as they were where they were, they were essentially manning a detainment facility for ISIS, among other things. And um, the ISIS leadership was detained in this facility. We took two of the major leaders who were actually British expats who joined ISIS uh, out of this facility, left the rest of them. Uh, there is a, not a, a n- not a fear, but a reality that many of these people will escape because the Kurds, we're not there to guard them. The Kurds were helping us. Uh, so essentially by the president removing these 100 Americans and th- he didn't remove them from the country. We haven't withdrawn from Syria. That's something a lot of people are saying, Hey, he promised to end endless wars. This is actually going to create a new war. I'm afraid, uh, you now have Israel pledging support to the Kurds in Northern Syria against Turkey. Uh, you have Iran, Iran now moving across Northern Iraq, unstopped by Iraqi forces to try to get there to combat the Turks. Uh, this is going to completely destabilize the situation. The American, 100 American soldiers there were keeping everyone at bay. And the reason was because no one wanted to dare kill the American soldiers and risk the wrath of the United States. With them gone, Turkey's making inroads. Everyone knew what Turkey was going to do, even despite White House protests saying they didn't. They knew. They absolutely knew because Erdogan, the president of Turkey, has said they were going to go in and kill the Tur- and kill the Kurds. Let me explain to you what the White House could have done just to show you how bad the White House is at communications on this. This is actually from a friend of mine in Congress. Uh, the PKK, which is the Kurdish group in northern Syria, is a communist group designated a terror organization. The YPG, which is the military group we've been working with in northern Syria, is the military arm of this communist Kurdish group. This is what is typically called the Kurds in Syria. They're not the Peshmerga Kurds of northern Iraq, although I would quibble with that to some degree because some of the uh, northern Iraqi Kurds have moved in there. The YPG has destroyed entire villages and displaced thousands of refugees into Turkey. This includes an estimated 200,000 Kurds who saw the YPG as too extreme. The YPG is accused of war crimes by a lot of people. Turkey wants to go into some of these villages and set up a zone so the refugees can return. The YPG hates ISIS. So basically, only in the respect that they're allies is they want to kill ISIS as much as we do. They also hate the Syrian government and are happy to help us fight them. Turkey doesn't like ISIS, but not nearly as much as the YPG does. Turkey is somewhat indifferent to them as long as ISIS leaves Turkey alone. So I can understand why Turkey wants to do what they want to do, though I'd want assurances that they'd properly handle ISIS prisoners, which they're refusing to give. 
I appreciate that the YPG, again, this communist Kurdish outfit, uh, kills ISIS, but they are effectively a terror organization as well. All Kurdish groups aren't the same, and I think it's misleading to say that we're abandoning the Kurds when the YPG has been attacking Turks and causing Turks so many problems. All of them are bad people. We should be rooting for injuries. That's an articulate defense from someone in Congress, uh, not not an elected congressman, a, a staffer who studies these issues. That's that's a very articulate defense. It is a genuinely articulate defense. The White House has not made that, um, has not articulated that. The, the White House has not been willing to go along with it. The White House has not been willing to make any sort of case uh, for walking away from these Kurds. There's also somewhat of a complication in that, yes, this Kurdish group is some considered a terror organization, but we did make promises to them. Now, the United States can break its promises, I get. The problem, though, is that our promises lured in some of the Peshmerga Kurds. This is a complicated situation, but what you need to understand is that the Kurds are a minority group that should have their own country. But post-World War II, as Britain was carving up the Middle East, uh, they did not give the the Kurds their own country, largely because Turkey objected. Turkey did not want the Kurds to have their own country because they were afraid the Kurds could get some military strength. Turkey and the Kurds have been at war for a very long time. And then Iraq also did not want the Kurds to have a group. The the Kurds are essentially, how's the best way to describe them? Um, The Kurds are a Muslim minority that are not your typical Islamists. They are very open to Christians. Uh, they, In fact, it is the Kurds in Iraq and uh, Syria who have been protecting Christian minority groups. Uh, the, the Kurds are rather peaceful, uh, but have taken to arms historically because of Turkish persecution. The Turks uh, committed a genocide against Armenia and then began to commit our genocide against the Kurds. The Kurds fled into northern Iraq and then spread out, some of them into Syria. The Syrian uh, Kurds somewhat radicalized because of hostility from the uh, Assad regime. I've mentioned before that the Assad regime is Ba'athist, and Ba'athists are the Middle Eastern successors of the Nazi party. That is historic. I'm not exaggerating there. The the Ba'athists learned from the Nazis, uh, moved back to the Middle East. Saddam Hussein and Basra al-Assad's father, Hafez al-Assad, were Ba'athists. They instituted the Ba'athist party. That is a Nazi-style party. Uh, They very much systematically have engaged in ethnic cleansing and other things, much like the Nazis did. And the Kurds in Syria radicalized to a degree. Uh, They were embraced by communists. The Soviet Union had a relationship in Syria, tried to bring them into the fold. It is a very complicated situation. But in a nutshell, to simplify it for you, the problem is these Kurds have been fighting with the United States against ISIS. Not only that, The United States has prevented Turkey from coming into northern Syria. Turkey has wanted to come into northern Syria to kill the Kurds, but also to have a more substantial fight against the Shiite terror groups that are helping Basar al-Assad. This is destabilizing for us to pull our hundred. And again, it's only a hundred people. We're not bringing them home. We're just moving them further south so that Turkey can wipe out the Kurds. But while these Kurds have been there and this area has been relatively secure because the United States has been there, other Kurds have come in. The Peshmerga Kurds, who are really our friends in northern Iraq, a lot of them have migrated into this area of Syria. 
So when Turkey comes in, they're not distinguishing between political groups of Kurds. They're just finding the Kurds and trying to kill them. And we're enabling them to do so. The problem as well is that the Kurds have become rather reliable intelligence allies with Israel. And so we're also undermining Israel in doing this. So we're undermining people who've helped us fight ISIS. We're undermining people who have helped us protect Christians. We're undermining people who we've made promises to. We're undermining people who provided intelligence to Israel. We're undermining people who have stabilized an area of the Middle East that needed stabilization. We're undermining a a people who have helped us contain ISIS, not just fight ISIS. And what's going to happen, the Turks are already signaling uh, that they have no grievance against ISIS right now in northern Syria. We have detainment facilities in northern Syria where we have been keeping ISIS soldiers battle-hardened on the field. They got captured. They were taken there. And now they're going to go. They're going to be free. They have experience. They've got military experience. Uh, They are radicalized. They hate us. They want to kill us. And now they're going to be let loose. That's the problem here. Uh, That is why so many Republicans in Congress are expressing outrage about the president right now. They are deeply, deeply angry about the situation, and they view it as deeply, deeply destabilizing. Um, It's not a good situation. It should not be treated dismissively. The president, one of the, probably the stupidest thing the president has ever said is that uh, the Kurds were not with us in World War II as if we have no obligation to them because they weren't there. And as somebody wrote in a very, very powerful article today, they didn't help us in the Second World War. They didn't help us with Normandy, as an example. They mentioned names of different battles. They were there, but they're there to help us with their land. And that's a different thing. In addition to that, we, we, tr- we have spent tremendous amounts of money Uh, on helping the Kurds in terms of ammunition, in terms of weapons, in terms of money, in terms of pay. With all of that being said, we like the Kurds. Now, you have different factions in there. Again, you have PKK, that's a different faction. Uh, And they worked with us. It's a rough group, but they worked with us. But we've spent a tremendous, and they're fighting for their land. So when you say they're fighting with us, yes, but they're fighting for the land. Now, if we go on the theory that some of the folks in Washington go by, who all do very well with the military-industrial complex. I mean, you know, the military-industrial complex, take a look at Dwight Eisenhower. He had it figured right many years ago. It's got tremendous power. They like fighting. They make a lot of money when they fight. Yeah, that sounds good, except for the fact that, yes, the, the Kurds are fighting for their land, but they have helped us contain a terrorist element that wants to kill us. And we promised we would help them hold that area if they helped us hold those terrorist elements. And there's a real risk now that with them gone, the terrorist element is going to be let loose back on the Middle East. And so the president will go from a, an endless war to a really endless war. He, he's not fixing a war problem. I mean, if the president is is right about the military industrial complex, they should be supporting what he's doing right now because it's going to spread more chaos. Here's David Ignatius, who's been studying this for a while. Two other important developments I want to mention. First, as the Turks prepare for their invasion across the border in northeastern Syria, Russian and Syrian regime forces further south are said to be moving up toward the Kurdish areas to to catch the Kurds in a kind of pincer 
and, and, and reduce the area under their control. And finally, and this is what should frighten all of us the most, there are many thousands, the, the, the estimates go as high as 10,000, former ISIS prisoners who have been held in often ramshackle facilities by the Kurds who may be able to escape if the Turkish invasion happens and the Kurds who are guarding them have to flee to go to the front lines to fight the Turks. That means that some of the most dangerous people on the planet, people who want to target Britain, France, the United States, could suddenly be free. I am sorry to say that the United States government, after looking at this question for months, still has no plan to deal with the possibility that these ISIS fighters could suddenly uh, be at large. Yeah. Yep. Here's Marsha Blackburn, conservative Republican senator from Tennessee. One of the things that I have concerns with is what will happen to the 2,000 ISIS fighters that Turkey is responsible for at that point. And Bill, we have a, a very large Kurdish population in the Nashville area. And when I talk to Tennesseans who have uh, really warmly welcomed this community, they talk about protecting the Kurds. I had two provisions in the Defense Authorization Act, one dealing with the Peshmerga in Iraq and the other with the SDF in Syria, just in case we had a withdrawal from the northeast portion of the country. So we are very focused on making certain that we stand with the Kurds. And we want to make certain that the policies we put in the NDAA would be something that would mesh with what the administration is trying do to do. Do you believe, based the on what you've seen from this order, that the, would the Kurds still be defended? Or not. I, I disagree with uh, the policy as has been laid out, but I'm really focused on making certain that those 2,000 ISIS fighters do not return to their home communities, villages, and countries, and that they do not reform and that they do not go back to attacking and killing Tennesseans and Americans. Yeah, that's kind of the problem. Everybody's got to worry about this ISIS concern, and it, it is a real concern. It is. We should not downplay this. This this is an overarching concern, not just a betrayal of our allies. Uh, you, you know, you had even uh, of all people, uh, Pat Robertson came out really blasting the president over this. The president who allowed Khashoggi to be cut in pieces uh, without any repercussions whatsoever is now allowing the Christians and the Kurds to be massacred by the Turks. And I believe, and I want to say this with great uh, solemnity, the President of the United States is in danger of losing the mandate of heaven if he permits this to happen. Well, he's permitted it, and yeah, that, that's one of the things here. Evangelical leaders are really concerned about this because the, the Kurds have been protecting the Christians in northern Syria from massacre. The The Kurds are the ones who have been protecting the Christians. And as a result, you heard Marsha Blackburn uh, mention this, the, the Kurdish community in Tennessee. Uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, uh, Pennsylvania, um, I don't think Georgia has one, but there are a number of, of southern and um, border states that have, have huge Kurdish populations of refugees that we allow to resettle, and, and Christian communities have taken them in to thank them for their protection of Christians in the Middle East. 
many, many Christians in the Middle East have survived uh, because of the Kurds taking them in, and Christians in this country have reciprocated by taking in the Kurds, even though they're Muslim. Uh, they're a very peace-loving um, Muslim sect, uh, very open to Christians. They have a whole long history of interacting with Christians peaceably in the Middle East and helping each other. So this does impact the evangelical community in the United States. And, and hearing someone like Pat Robertson say the president may lose the mandate of heaven should be a warning sign for the White House that uh, a lot of evangelicals who support him are concerned about this. Franklin Graham as well has come out and criticized the president. Franklin Graham, of all people, coming up criticizing the president for this issue. It becomes an issue as well with impeachment. Republicans in the Senate, Lindsey Graham among them, deeply, deeply critical of the president doing this, really deeply critical of the president doing what he's doing. It has very little to do with the the Kurds and a lot to do with the persecution of Christians in the Middle East that the Kurds have been protecting and also the Kurds detaining the ISIS prisoners for us in the Middle East. This is going to continue to escalate as Turkey continues to make incursions. And now with this big news this morning that Israel's saying it's going to stand with the Kurds, whether we do or not, it's going to spiral. It is Eric Erickson here and the phone number to the program, 877-97-ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, 877-973-7425. This just in, two foreign-born donors to a Trump fundraising committee who helped Rudy Giuliani's efforts to investigate Joe Biden have been arrested on criminal charges violating campaign finance rules. They're expected to appear in court later today, according to people familiar with the matter. Lev Parnas and Igor Fruman two Florida businessmen have been under investigation by the U.S. attorney in Manhattan and are expected to appear in federal court in Virginia later Thursday. The men's nationalities were unclear, though they were both believed to have been born in former Soviet republics. Uh, They apparently transferred uh, money to a Trump super PAC. America First Action in May of 2018. They formed an LLC called Global Energy Producers. And they then um, flowed the money to the Trump Super PAC, but there are questions as to where the money actually came from. Did it come from foreign entities? Since late 2018, uh, Fruman and Parnas have been introducing Giuliani to current and former Ukrainian prosecutors to help him build his case against Joe Biden. This happening this morning. These two men arrested, expected to appear in court later today on campaign finance violations, having um, flowed money into a Trump super PAC that may have come from foreign sources. The U.S. prosecutors have been investigating. These two have met in the past with Trump Jr. Giuliani uh, and had dinner with the president as well. Um, I'm sure the Democrats will rope this into their impeachment investigation. Also, uh, ESPN, this is from the the Washington Free Beacon, um, is confirming reports it wasn't photoshopped. ESPN Wednesday evening showed a graphic recognizing China's erroneous claims to own the South China Sea despite the permanent court of arbitration ruling against them in 2016 while transitioning to a segment about the Los Angeles Lakers basketball team arriving in Shanghai ESPN showed a graphic of China with the so-called nine dash line the dashed lines encircle the South China Sea marking the large area that uh, the People's Republic of China claims to control 
China has repeatedly claimed to own 90% of the South China Sea under the so-called Nine-Dash Line, but the Permanent Court of Arbitration, an international court in the Netherlands, ruled in 2016 that China's claims were illegal and that there was no evidence of historic context for this. Nonetheless, ESPN doctored its own map to make it look like China owned this territory. They even included Taiwan in the territory as if China owned it. Um, yet again, Disney uh, allowing um, e- allowing itself to be influenced by its need for Chinese dollars. The president has spoken about the China issue as well. Uh, I meant to play this clip earlier for you. Listen. Well, the NBA is a different thing. I mean, I watch uh, this guy, Steve Kerr, and he was like a little boy. He was so scared to be even answering the question. He couldn't answer the question. He was shaking. Oh, oh, oh I don't know. I don't know. He didn't know how to answer the question. And he'll talk about the United States very badly. I watched Popovich, sort of the same thing, but he didn't look quite as scared, actually. But they talk badly about the United States, but when it talks about China, they don't want to say anything bad. I thought it was pretty sad, actually. Um, It'll be be very very interesting. Excuse me? Are you okay, then, with the Chinese government pressuring the NBA over Hong Kong? They have to work out their own situation. The NBA is, they know what they're doing, but... I watched the way that, like, Kerr and Popovich and some of the others were pandering to China and yet to our own country. They don't, it's like they don't respect it. It's like they don't respect it. I said, what a difference. Isn't it sad? It's very sad. To me, it's very sad. Yeah, it is. Also happening now, NBA is confirming uh, that it canceled uh, media availability because the Chinese requested it after the uh, Wizards game last night. And also, um, there will be no media availability for the Lakers game as well, because the Chinese requested it. Just a quick time out to thank one of my favorite sponsors. And this week's sponsor, it's Quip. They make my electric toothbrush. I kid you not, I have used this toothbrush for several years now. I actually bought it. Um, it's, you know, a lot of times a sponsor to these podcasts, they send you their product and you get to use it. Quip, I'm an actual customer, have been a customer well before they sponsored the podcast. I love it because I've tried the really expensive, you know, you can get a $99 or more expensive um, fancy electric battery power toothbrush and they're terribly made uh, and they're not any better than the Quip. The Quip is only 25 bucks. And it cleans your teeth. Not only that, it pulses every 30 seconds. So you know when to change the position in your mouth. You get a new brush head every three months. So, you know, and the brush heads are reasonably priced. It is a wonderful, wonderful invention. And they deliver the toothbrush head every three months on a schedule. So you keep your teeth clean. You keep your toothbrush looking new. It's great. It's only $25. You'll get your first brush head refill pack for free by going to getquip.com slash Erickson. It's a very simple way to support the show and a very simple way to get a great, great, great toothbrush. Listen, you don't need all sorts of connected apps and and Wi-Fi enabled toothbrushes. You just need a good battery powered, great toothbrush. And that's what you get with Quip. Go to getquip.com slash Erickson. You'll get your first refill for free. Go right now, getquip.com slash Erickson. Get, the word get, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Erickson. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here, live with you this morning, six after the hour. The phone number, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. I will 
I, I, I feel very much like Louis Grizzard and his his famous his famous call. I don't want to talk about it. The Braves last night. Oh my goodness gracious! You, you get rid of the tomahawk and look what happens. Uh, you got rid of Chief Nakahoma's TP, and the same thing happened in '82. Just just bad. All right, we can move on. We should move on. Georgia better win this weekend, I suppose. All right, um, the the phone number, the the phone number again, 877-97-ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, 877-973-7425. I, I want to give you the impeachment state of play before we get into any other news, just so you understand. The White House is not cooperating with the House of Representatives. And if we can, if, if you'll allow, I want to do a little bit of a deep dive here in um, the situation and just kind of un- explain to you the impeachment process. Impeachment is an Article One power. Uh, impeachment uh, gives the House of Representatives uh, the power to impeach the President of the United States. It is. It gives the House of Representatives the sole power of impeachment. On top of that, uh, more specifically, what you need to know is that uh, the U.S. Constitution allows the chambers in Congress to set their own rules. It is an Article One power. Um, again, uh, Section Four. The times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives uh, shall be prescribed in each state, uh, but Congress at any time may by law make any such regulations except as places choosing their senators. The Congress shall assemble at least once per year unless they by law set a different date. And then you head into Section 5. Each house shall be the judge of its own elections. Each house shall determine its own rules of procedure, punish its members for disorderly behavior with the concurrence of two-thirds, expel a member. Each house shall keep a journal, and neither house shall, without the consent of the other, adjourn for more than three days. So uh, essentially what the Constitution says is that uh, the houses of Congress have plenary power to set these sorts of things. Now, uh, in Section 2, there is one line. The very last line is the last clause. In Article 1, Section 2, the House of Representatives shall choose their Speaker and other officers and shall shall have the sole power of impeachment. Section 3 of Article 1 says the Senate shall have the sole power to try all impeachments. When sitting for that purpose, they shall be on oath or affirmation. When the President of the United States is tried, the Chief Justice shall preside, and no person shall be convicted without the concurrence of two-thirds of the members present. Judgment in cases of impeachment shall not extend further than to removal from office and disqualification to hold and enjoy any office of honor, trust, or profit under the United States. But the person convicted shall nevertheless be liable and subject to indictment, trial, judgment, and punishment according to law. That language suggests that the President of the United States has uh, immunity from trial and prosecution until removed from office, by the way. But the Constitution really doesn't say a lot more than that about impeachment. Um, The Constitution leaves it somewhat vague. 
other than the president has no pardon power when it comes to impeachment, and the president shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. A lot of people are looking to impeachment and they're asking, what is the crime? What is the crime that the president committed? Uh, is there a statutory crime? Here's what you need to know about this. You could be the smartest person among your friends by m mentioning this. There have been about 80 impeachments in American history, 80 to 90 impeachments in American history. Less than a third have ever involved a statutory crime. Less than a third have ever involved a statutory crime. I bet you haven't heard that point from a lot of people, but it's true. In fact, it is found in the, um, in the House Procedure and Practices. Now, what is House Procedure and Practice? It's actually now referred to as House Practice. House Practice is the manual by which the House of Representatives governs itself. The House of Representatives has a series of rules. Every new Congress enacts rules. And the rules are based on a general framework. That framework has been there for a very long time. Interestingly enough, it was the Republicans in uh, 2013 who gave House chairmen uh, the right to subpoena uh, without approval of the committee. It was the chairman themselves who could direct subpoenas. The Republicans wanted to catch Democrats off guard by subpoenaing. Now the House Democrats are turning that on the Trump White House, a power that came from the uh, from the Republicans. Um, uh, let me read you this. This is from 2017 in House Practice and Procedure. 60 times, I'm sorry, I said 80. Impeachment proceedings have been initiated more than 60 times since the adoption of the Constitution. 19 of those cases resulted in, in impeachment by the House. Uh, Andrew Johnson in 1868, Secretary of War William Belknap in 1876, Senator William Blunt in 1797, President William Jefferson Clinton in 1998, and 15 federal judges. Only eight impeachments have led to Senate convictions. All of them were federal judges. Now, the question is, what does high crime and misdemeanor mean? If you go back to the founding of the country and look, very rarely have people been impeached for actual crimes. In fact, the very first impeachment was of William Blunt, the senator from Tennessee. And he was impeached uh, because he encouraged Indians to attack certain positions uh, in order to benefit the British. And he was impeached. Now, the, the Senate decided... In, this was in 1797. The Senate decided it had no power under the Constitution to actually try uh, a, an office, a member of the Senate for impeachment, and so they just simply expelled William Blunt from the Senate. But it was not actually a, an impeachment for violation of federal law. It was impeachment for uh, malfeasance in office. Interestingly enough, uh, the the... The Supreme Court has ruled and the House and Senate have agreed that a member of the cabinet, after they have resigned from office, can still be impeached. Someone can be impeached even after resignation, although it is generally believed that after resignation, there's no point. But 
the language high crimes and misdemeanors comes from 400 years of use prior to it being adopted in the American Constitution uh, in the British Parliament. The language had been around for 400 years in Britain uh, within Parliament, uh, high crimes and misdemeanors, and it essentially meant statutory offenses and non-statutory offenses relating to abuse of official trust of the public. And that's where the Democrats get their claims against the president. Uh, There may not be a statutory violation, but again, less than one-third of all impeachments have been about that. Uh, In fact, when you look into the history of it, I mentioned the very first impeachment was uh, William Blunt in 1797. The second impeachment was of a judge in 1803 who just seemed to be incompetent. He broke no laws. Uh, But uh, Judge John Pickering was impeached in 1803 for errors in a trial in violation of his trust and duty and for appearing to be drunk and was convicted from the Senate and removed. Most of the the impeachments have been about uh, non-statutory stuff. Samuel Chase in 1804 was impeached by the House for being a partisan. Uh, His conviction uh, was overturned by or he was not convicted by the Senate. But here's the problem for the House Democrats. Though they have sole power, and this is their talking point, the president says he's not going to cooperate. The president says no one in the White House is going to cooperate. In fact, the president says that until they do a formal vote to begin impeachment, uh, there will be no cooperation at all. There's actually a federal case right now because the House Judiciary Committee would like to get grand jury testimony related to the Mueller investigation. And the White House is arguing, and the Justice Department is taking the position, that modern practice requires is a formal vote to move into impeachment, and the House hasn't done that. Therefore, this is just partisan witch hunting. The House's position is that because the Constitution gives it the sole right to impeach and gives it the sole right to determine its own rules, it can move forward with impeachment however it wants. The reality is that Nancy Pelosi does not want to make the Democrats in the House of Representatives take a vote right now. Uh, There's not enough there there, and this is an acknowledgement of it. She wants the House uh, committees to go on a fishing expedition. She essentially uh, came forward, if you'll recall, a couple of weeks ago and said she's authorizing these House committees to begin impeachment investigations. What exactly is happening is they were already investigating, but the investigations were technically oversight investigations, and oversight investigations do not allow the House access to certain information like grand jury testimony and other things uh, without judicial orders. If they move into an impeachment investigation and formal impeachment, well, then they're allowed to get access to things they otherwise would not be able to get access to, including, and this is very important, including uh, the president cannot claim executive privilege. If they're investigating the president's conduct, he can technically claim executive privilege. But if you go back to the Nixon case, uh, the Supreme Court has determined that executive privilege doesn't get you very far in impeachment proceedings because these people have to testify about the president's conduct. He can't hide illegal activity or malfeasance behind uh, executive privilege. But again, here's the problem for the House of Representatives. And again, I'm reading from their own manual. This is from the House of Representatives. This is what guides the parliamentarians of the House of Representatives. I'm reading from page 614 of House Practice. Under the modern practice, an impeachment is normally instituted by the House by the adoption of a resolution calling for a committee investigation of charges against the officer in question. The committee may, after investigation, recommend the dismissal of charges or it may recommend impeachment. 
If the committee recommends impeachment, a resolution recommending impeachment is reported to the House simultaneously with the articles of impeachment setting forth the ground for the proposed action. Following the adoption of a resolution to impeach, the House appoints managers to conduct the impeachment trial in the Senate. The Senate is then informed of these facts by resolution. When the resolution reaches the Senate, the Senate advises the House as to when the Senate will receive the managers appointed by the House. The managers then present themselves and the impeachment articles to the Senate, the House reserving the right to file additional articles later. In most cases, impeachment proceedings in the House have been initiated either by introducing a resolution of impeachment through the hopper, that's where they place legislation, or by authorizing a resolution of impeachment on the floor as a question of privilege in the House. In other words, the House, by modern precedent, takes a vote before beginning a formal investigation of the president for impeachment. Nancy Pelosi has chosen not to do that. Arguably, under the Constitution, she's allowed to do that. Because, again, the Constitution in Article 1, Section 2 says the House sets its own rules for impeachment and or, or has the sole right to impeachment. And Article 1, Section 3 says the House sets its own rules. So if the House has the sole power of impeachment and sets its own rules, it can set a rule however it wants. Their problem is there really isn't a rule about impeachment. So that then defaults to the Speaker of the House who has said that the committees can begin looking into impeachment. The White House wants a formal process. They want the formal process because they want these Democrats on record. They want, for example, uh, Lucy McBath in the 6th Congressional District in Georgia to have to take a vote on whether or not to impeach the president. They want it because 60% of voters in Lucy McBath's district are opposed to impeachment. They want her on record now. They don't wait. want to wait for the Democrats to build an impeachment record, which is what the Democrats want to do. They want to dot all the I's and cross all the T's, build a copious record, form articles of impeachment, and then trot it out and have Lucy McBath say, based on this, I'm going to vote to impeach the president. They want Lucy McBath on record now in the 6th District here in Georgia before they expand. Mark Meadows uh, from North Carolina, he's pushing back very hard on this. Mark Meadows, the, the chair of the House Freedom Caucus, says it is a witch hunt, says the Democrats have no grounds, and he's right. It is a witch hunt, and they have no grounds but they're trying to find the grounds. They're trying to find the reason to impeach the president. And they believe Ukraine will get them that, which is why they're probing it. But this is a free-for-all for the House Democrats. They're looking in every way possible for some excuse to impeach the president. The danger for the White House is that as this drags out, it gives the Democrats more ammunition. The danger for the Democrats is that if it drags out and they still haven't found the ammunition, suddenly people begin to look very sympathetic on the president. Now, I, I need to offer up a moment of clarity from yesterday. I was, you were listening to a best of yesterday. I was, I mean, I was still asleep at this time yesterday. I was, I was out of it. Uh, the 10-year-old the got me sick. Uh, he and I were both home yesterday, him from school, me from work. Um, we're both back and fighting for him today. It's weird, and, and kids all over his school are getting this. It's like 24, 48 hours, you're just awful, and then suddenly you're fine again. Gross viruses, uh, fever in the works the other night, but much better, much better. Um, but I, so I have no idea, honestly, what was listed as whatever recipe I'm sending out this week, and I know a lot of you signed up for the recipe list yesterday, um, but in whatever recipe you thought you were getting, there's going to be a link so you can go back and see if it was the um, 
the Barbecue Bee Po' Boy, you can find the link in there. I will tell you the recipe that's actually going out today. Now that the weather is starting to cool, hallelujah, praise the Lord on that one. It is, what, did that not sound Southern Evangelical? Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Um, the uh, braised short ribs, I love this recipe. Uh, in fact, I went down to M&T Meats down in Hawkinsville last week and got bra- or got short ribs to braise and intend to make this recipe this weekend. The weather's supposed to be perfect for it. Uh, braised short ribs. You can use boneless, you can use bone-in, but it's fantastic. It, it is a, a, if you use your, your Sunday roast beef, uh, do this instead. It's fantastic. It has bacon drippings in it. It's just, it's, it's a wonderful recipe. Braised short ribs. If you want this recipe, uh, you know, I, I'm a big believer in breaking bread with people, uh, even people you disagree with on politics. Uh, Ellen DeGeneres, happy. To, she's welcome in my house anytime. Um, to break bread, and, and although I don't know that she's she may not be a meat eater, but nonetheless, um, if you want the recipe, text the word recipe to 33777. Just text the word recipe to 33777. Uh, shortly after we go off air, I will hit send on the email, and uh, you will get the Bray short rib recipe, and there will be a link to all the prior recipes I've sent out. Uh, including the barbecue beef recipe from last week, which I made over last weekend and was fantastic. Uh, my wife thought it tasted somewhat cinnamony, and it didn't. Right? There was no cinnamon in it. It's just a, it's the nature of all the flavors melding together. Oh, it's such a good recipe. I love that barbecue beef recipe, but I love this one too. So text recipe 33777. We have other stuff to talk about today. Um, by the way, if you're watching on Facebook Live, uh, we have an, in, an unstable internet connection today. And in large part, it is because they're doing construction uh, outside my neighborhood where I have my home studio and they keep interfering. The power, I'm on battery backup and everything here in case the power goes out uh, because they keep messing with stuff. Uh, you know, the pedal bikes in Savannah that where essentially it's a, it's a pedaling bar. I see you go down to Savannah all the time. And you see people, and they're on these things. They've got a keg in the middle. They're all drinking. They've got tables, but they're also all pedaling. And they're going. They're bar hopping, and they're drinking at this this on this contraption. What do they call these things now? I, f- I forget what they call them. Um, but they're all over Savannah. You see them in New Orleans. Uh, you don't see them so much in Atlanta because Atlanta's just not set up for it. Uh, it is the quadricycle. That's what they're calling them, the quadricycles. Well... The Savannah City Council is thinking of banning them. Now, these things, they're used in, in bachelor parties and, and bachelorette parties and, and other gatherings where you get on these things and, and you pedal yourself sober as you're drinking, going from bar to bar uh, for Savannah things. Well, some people have complained that people are getting too rowdy. And so the Savannah City Council is thinking of shutting these things down as opposed to going after the rowdy people. They want to shut the whole thing down, which is just going to hurt the business crowd. I've seen these in New Orleans as well. And New Orleans and and Savannah are kind of set up for it. Uh, Downtown Charleston as well has these. Um, Those are the only places I think I've ever seen them. I don't know that I've seen them in other places. Well, maybe maybe they're there. Uh, But. Savannah thinking of banning them because of rowdy customers. Meanwhile, businesses are coming out saying, you know, this is a don't ban them. We get a lot of business off these things. And that business then generates tax revenue and that tax revenue then comes back to the city. Uh, But they want to cut off their nose to spite their face and be a little less tourist friendly because some people have complained. Which reminds me, I haven't been to Savannah in a while. I need to go. When we come back, the polling on impeachment is turning dark for the White House. 
I'll give you the latest data. All righty. It is Eric Erickson. And yes, you can be a part of the program. 877-97-ERIC. 877-973-7425. You'll get the recipe uh, shortly after noon today if you text recipe to 33777. And we need to talk about the impeachment polling because uh, the president has not that I've seen yet started blowing up Fox News today. But The Fox News polling is bad uh, for the president. Um, It is a now a majority of Americans support impeachment. Now, here's the problem. And this is where the president's team can point to that a, a more Americans voted for Hillary Clinton than Donald Trump, and he still won. When you have an overwhelming number of people in New York and Los Angeles who want to, who hate the president, they can shift the polling. I should say California, not just Los Angeles, California, New York, they can shift the polling, but they can only shift the polling because of the way polling is done uh, in sampled across the nation. They can only shift the polling by a percentage point or two. Uh, That's why the public opinion polling could have Hillary Clinton winning, and she did win, uh, but the Electoral College had Donald Trump winning, and he actually won. Uh, The polling wasn't wrong. Uh, In fact, Hillary Clinton did win the popular vote, but uh, but New York and California could skew it. Uh, In fact, you pull California out altogether, and you found Donald Trump won. So when you do that to the polling, keep in mind that this can shape a couple of percentage points in the polling. So Fox News now has polling uh, 51-40, not favor just impeaching the president, but also removing the president. Quinnipiac has 45% in favor of removing the president, 49% opposed. Morning Consult has 50% uh, in favor, uh, 43% opposed. CNN has 47% in favor, 45% opposed. And Washington Post has 49% in favor, 38% opposed. Uh, And again, this is not just impeaching the president, but removing the president. Here's the problem. Um, You can say that, okay, these are somewhat split, a plurality, maybe, maybe not. Quinnipiac uh, has more people opposed than in favor of removing the president. The trend lines, though, let me give you the trend lines. Um, Fox has a 14 percentage and a 14 point increase in removing the president. Quinnipiac has a 16 point increase. Morning Consult has a 20 point increase. CNN has a 15 point increase. Washington Post has a 33 point increase. It looks like the anomaly there, frankly, is the Washington Post, which is 4938. When you look at the Fox News, Quinnipiac, Morning Consult, CNN, you've got a a 14 to 20 point increase. Definitely people are moving in the direction of impeaching the president. What is notable here is that while Quinnipiac and Monmouth University don't show major movement among Republicans in favor of impeachment, all of them show some improvement in the Republican uh, favorability for impeachment and removing the president. It's gone from Republicans supporting removing the president to uh, nine points to Republicans supporting it at 15 points, that shows you there's movement even among Republicans. Now, it's only 15 percentage points. And again, uh, the president has to worry about the Electoral College. He doesn't have to worry about uh, the national public opinion polling. But that there is statistical movement among Republicans should worry the White House at this time because it does begin to impact races like Senator Collins in Maine. Uh, It does begin to impact uh, Tom Tillis in North Carolina, who is being aggressive in his defense of the president, 
but he's got a primary. It also does begin to impact Senator Perdue here in Georgia. It does begin to impact Cory Gardner in Colorado. And again, I have said consistently, if the Republicans believe that standing with Donald Trump will cost them the Senate, they will throw him overboard in a heartbeat. And as the polling shifts decisively towards impeachment, as Republicans begin to trend towards impeachment, you got a problem. Here's the, here's the ultimate, the, the bottom line here. You're at 15 percentage points now in the poll. And again, I, I like the polling averages. Don't look at an individual poll. Uh, individual polls can be bad. Uh, they can be anomalies. When you take the polling average, it balances out all the polling irregularities. The poll that is way too low and the poll that is way too high are reconciled in the average of all of the polling. And the average of polling right now has 15% of Republicans support impeachment, which is high. We know that this is probably true because you can also take the president's approval rating. The president's approval rating in Rasmussen, which is the most popular poll for the president, it is the poll the president always cites, has nosedived. It had been between 50 and 52%. Last I checked, it was at 44%. Now, the Washington Post poll, which is slightly anomalous, I think, but shows a big shift, shows 58% of Americans actually support an inquiry. Not removal, but opening an inquiry. This is consistent with the uh, Republicans as well. This is consistent with the Republicans showing that uh, there is an increase in Republicans in supporting impeachment inquiry, not removal, just an inquiry. It is consistent with the Fox poll showing a majority support in inquiry. But where the Washington Post and, and Fox disagree, the, the Fox poll is more recent than the Washington Post poll as a more recent sample of voters. The Washington Post poll shows only 49% favor removing the president. And the Fox poll shows 51%. But here's the thing. There's a jump of 42 points since July consistently across polling. And the Washington Post poll says just 32% find President Trump's transcript of notes with Ukraine to be appropriate. 62% find it inappropriate. 58% find that withholding military aid to Ukraine before requesting they investigate Joe Biden matters. Only 37% don't. 49% of voters approve of the way Democrats are handling the impeachment inquiry. 33% approve of how Republicans are handling it. 35% believe that Donald Trump upholds adequate standards for ethics and government. 60% say he doesn't. 64% of independents and 29% of Republicans do not believe Donald Trump upholds ethical standards. These aren't good numbers for the president, even among Republicans. And the fact that you're seeing this trend line of Republicans moving towards impeachment is a problem for the president. You don't have to get to a majority of Republicans. You only need to get to about 20% of Republicans, and we're five points away. If you get to 20% of Republicans favoring impeachment, that begins to seriously tip the scales in the electoral in the electoral college states that President Trump won. Remember, the president won by only 70,000 votes in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. He benefited in Wisconsin because Hillary Clinton never even showed up to campaign there. He benefited in uh, in Pennsylvania, in western Pennsylvania, because Hillary Clinton didn't campaign there. These sorts of things matter. They matter headed into an election. 
They matter because the Democrats aren't going to make the same mistakes that Hillary Clinton made last time. They matter because they're not going to nominate Hillary Clinton again. They matter because the president does not have a wide margin to make mistakes on these issues. But, but, but the president has helped by his opponents. He's come back at you several times. In fact, he tweeted just this morning, and I'm going to quote. He said, I think that crooked Hillary Clinton should try to enter the race to try and steal it away from uber-left Elizabeth Warren. Only one condition, the crooked one, must explain all of her high crimes and misdemeanors, including how and why. She deleted 33,000 emails. Yeah, you know, it, it truly is remarkable how obsessed he remains with me. Uh, but this latest tweet is, um, you know, so uh, typical of him. Uh, nothing has been more examined and looked at than my emails. We all know that. So he's either lying or delusional or both. There was no subpoena, as he uh, says in a tweet this morning. Um, so maybe there does need to be a rematch. I mean, obviously, I can beat him again. But, you know, just... Seriously, I don't understand, I don't think anybody understands um, what motivates him other than personal grievance, other than seeking adulation. Yep, Hillary Clinton coming out, Hillary Clinton coming out saying that uh, maybe, just maybe, maybe, just maybe, she will run against the president again. That's probably not going to happen, but you should have seen the giddiness from some people who uh, really thought and expected that it would happen. Um, it's not going to happen. Uh, there's just no way that it's going to happen. But uh, it has made a little bit, it has made some rumblings within the Democratic Party. Put it to you that way. Now, the president also, also, uh, is blessed by the media running interference for Elizabeth Warren. Um, is, she's certainly contradicting herself on this story. Have you heard about this? Elizabeth Warren says that she was fired for being pregnant back in the 1970s. She had written earlier that she had not been fired for being pregnant, uh, that she had actually made the decision with her husband to walk away from her career because she was pregnant, and that ultimately led her into law school and led her to, to her career path now. Now she says she was fired. The media is, is covering for her. I want to get into a little bit of that later, but right now, listen to this. Questions of the legitimacy of the story stem in part from claims she's made in the past about her heritage. But in this case, Warren says she stands by her story. They said, you're doing a great job, come back next year. And when they found out I was pregnant, they changed that. Senator Elizabeth Warren is defending a story she often touts on the campaign trail. The principal did what principals did in those days, wished me luck and hired someone else for the job. She paints a picture of the path she reluctantly took into public service. After claiming she was fired from her first teaching job in New Jersey in 1971, while six months pregnant. They wished you luck, showed you the door, and hired someone else for the job. But some have questioned her version of events, pointing to a 2007 interview where she gave a different reason for why she left. I actually didn't have the education courses, so I was on an emergency certificate, it was called. And I went back to graduate school and took a couple of courses in education and said, 
I don't think this is going to work out for me. And minutes from school board meetings show Warren's resignation was accepted with regret. It doesn't matter much what the term is, but let's be clear. I was six months pregnant. Uh, it was my first job. I was 22 years old. And uh, the job that was mine, that I'd been hired for for the next year, was taken away when they knew I was pregnant. Questions about her employment history come after years of scrutiny over her claims of Native American ancestry, which she apologized for over the summer. I know that I have made mistakes. I am sorry for harm I have caused. Now, Warren says she understands the fresh scrutiny of her background. I think of how this resonates with so many millions of women across this country and people who've been in, if not that exact situation, similar situations. Yeah, and notice how the media wants to paint her sympathetically in this. Again, let, let's go back to what she said uh, in 2007-2008. She was willing to go on video to discuss this. I was married at 19 uh, and then graduated from, from college, actually, after I'd, I'd married. And my first year post-graduation, uh, uh, I worked. It was in a public school system, but I worked with the the children with disabilities and um, I did that for a year and then that summer um, I, I actually didn't have the education courses so I was on an emergency certificate it was called and I went back to graduate school and took a couple of courses in education and said I don't think this is going to work out for me mm. and I was pregnant with my first baby so I had a baby uh, and stayed home for a couple of years. And I was really casting about, thinking, what am I going to do? That was an interview when she wasn't running for President of the United States. Now, and by the way, in her book, uh, that story that she told in 2007 and 2008 to various reporters on camera, that is the same story she wrote in her book. And now suddenly she's saying that she was fired because she was pregnant. The president is blessed by not just his enemies, but by a media willing to bend over backwards for his enemies uh, who you can't trust the media. You can't trust what the media is reporting. You know, for I lament on a regular basis, uh, Republicans going down rabbit holes. You should see the hate mail I get. When I point out the, that something that has been uttered on Fox or on another talk show isn't true, like legitimately is not true, uh, when I suggest that John Solomon probably isn't the best source uh, for things, you should see the hate mail I get. Um, because so-and-so on Fox said it was so, it must be so, when it's not so. And I think I got an obligation to the truth, not just to the spin. But I can't help people, I, I can't blame people for going to these alternate sources because the media is so dishonest. The media is so willing to lie for the Democrats these days. How can you blame people for looking elsewhere for truthful media? Unfortunately, some people go down rabbit holes and get lost in, in a web of lies by other people in, in Alex Jones territory. I, I, it's, it's a danger and the media is in such a bubble. It's not even willing to acknowledge that it has a problem. I was actually somewhat surprised to see CNN calling out Matt Lowry. You know, Ronan Farrow has got his new book coming out 
my goodness, this is Brian Stetler of, of reliable sources on CNN. Remember, at the time Lauer was fired, the report was this was an inappropriate sexual encounter at work. A rape is something different. A rape is a crime. And that's what Brooke Neville's alleging. She spoke with Farrah because Farrah's reporting about Harvey Weinstein, a reflection of how the world is changing, how yeah. there is progress being made. But you still wonder about the power imbalance in situations like this. Powerful men who seem to be protected by their companies, in Lauer's case, perhaps protected for many years. Yeah. And who might have protected Matt Lauer? Could it have been the now head of CNN, Jeff Sucker? Who, yeah, he and Lauer were friends. He and Lauer were real good friends. Um, makes you wonder, kind of kind of interesting for CNN to raise this and start a media fight out there. The, the media typically covers for other people in the media, which is why this is so notable. But also, the media covers for the Democrats a lot. And so it, it's remarkable to see a movement among Republicans towards impeachment when so many Republicans distrust the media. And there actually is a measurable, statistical, non-anomaly movement of Republicans towards impeachment. From 9% supporting it to 15% supporting it. You get to 20% supporting it among Republicans, that's a huge warning sign uh, that something's about to happen. President Nixon left when 51% of Americans supported impeachment. That's not going to happen here. But when you start seeing the number of Republicans rise, when they believe that it's it's worse for the Republicans if the president sticks around, you're going to have problems. And after this Kurd situation, having Republicans in the Senate turn on him on that, having a lot of evangelicals turn on him on that, I would really like to see a poll on the number of Republicans who say they'll vote for the president in 2020, but kind of wish they'd be voting for Mike Pence instead. This is happening. This video, uh, Charlie, my producer, flagged this one on Twitter. You got to listen to this. Uh, the lady in the second row. Thank you. Hi, Christina McFarland, CNN. Um, the NBA has always been a league that prides itself on its player and its coaches being able to speak out openly about political and societal affairs. I just wonder, after the events of this week and the fallout we've seen, whether you would both feel differently about speaking out in that way in future. It's a legitimate question. This is an event that's happened this week during during the NBA. It, this particular question has not been answered. James. <laughs> they're, they're not going to answer the questions. They're not going to answer. The, the NBA spokesman is saying, I'm, I'm sorry, we're, we're only answering basketball questions. Man, they need a P. This is a disaster for the NBA. This is genuinely a disaster for the NBA. But what they're hoping is that they can just drag this out and people will forget. People will move on to other things. I, again, I, I played this audio in the first hour, but it, it's worth playing again. Steve Kerr, the, the coach of the Golden State Warriors, who blasts the president on Twitter all the time, who is willing to uh, take all sorts of woke issues and amplify them with his social media presence, asked about Hong Kong. Steve, obviously the big story in the league right now is you know, Daryl Morris' tweet and everything going on with China. Do you have any thoughts on uh, that situation? Um, actually, I don't. I mean, it's a, it's a really, it's a really bizarre international story, and um, a lot of us are, you know, don't know what to make of it. So um, it's, it's something I'm reading about, and, uh, just like everybody is. But I'm not going to comment further. Yep, yep, not going to comment. 
not going to comment. Uh, fascinating. Fascinating. The, the NBA, their unwillingness to speak out on these issues. All of a sudden, quiet on all the social issues uh, because of China. Uh, this situation, by the way, the president is meeting uh, with the Chinese trade team tomorrow. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Hold your breath probably on how that goes with the president, given his handling of the Turkish situation. Mike Pompeo has come out this morning and said the reason the president moved American forces in northern Syria is because the Turks uh, would not promise not to hurt American soldiers. They're a NATO ally and they're bullying American soldiers, and the president folded, that's not a good sign uh, for this situation moving forward with the Chinese. Now, when we come back, the media in protect mode for the Democrats. Just a quick time out to thank one of my favorite sponsors, and this week's sponsor, it's Quip. They make my electric toothbrush. I kid you not, I have used this toothbrush for several years now. I actually bought it. Um, it's, you know, a lot of times a sponsor to these podcasts, they send you their product and you get to use it. Quip, I'm an actual customer, have been a customer well before they sponsored the podcast. I love it because I've tried the really expensive, you know, you can get a $99 or more expensive um, fancy electric battery power toothbrush and they're terribly made uh, and they're not any better than the Quip. The Quip is only 25 bucks and it cleans your teeth. Not only that, it pulses every 30 seconds so you know when to change the position in your mouth. You get a new brush head every three months so you know, and the brush heads are reasonably priced. It is a wonderful, wonderful invention, and they deliver the toothbrush head every three months on a schedule. So you keep your teeth clean. You keep your toothbrush looking new. It's great. It's only $25. You'll get your first brush head refill pack for free by going to getquip.com slash Erickson. It's a very simple way to support the show and a very simple way to get a great, great, great toothbrush. Listen, you don't need all sorts of connected apps and, and Wi-Fi-enabled toothbrushes. You just need a good battery-powered, great toothbrush, and that's what you get with Quip. Go to getquip.com slash Erickson. You'll get your first refill for free. Go right now, getquip.com slash Erickson. Get, the word get, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Erickson. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the third hour of the Eric Erickson Show. The phone number, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. This hour of the program is sponsored by Dynamic Money. You can go to dynamicmoney.com and learn more. Here's what I'll just tell you in a nutshell. Uh, Chris Burns, uh, who's going to be guest hosting for me. We, I got to do guest host next week. The the kids have Columbus Day and the two days thereafter off. I didn't even realize they had Wednesday off, so I guess I'll cut my vacation short and come back on Wednesday to do the show. But um, So they got off Monday and Tuesday, and we're going to go out of town, so we're going to give our try at having guest hosts for the show. Uh, but Chris Burns is going to be one of them. He's actually a good friend of mine, and I got to know him because he's a financial planner. My wife and I wanted to do the Dave Ramsey model. And we had several friends of ours who have done it, and they really liked it. And I started thinking about it, and Chris uh, has a show on WSB in Atlanta. And I mentioned on Twitter, he saw it, he reached out, we got to know each other, and got to be friends. Uh, and he does financial management and planning. And what I really like is that he and his team at Dynamic Money, they're not commissions-based. You know, a lot of companies out there uh, that do financial planning are commissions-based. So they're, they're, they... They encourage you to make investments in things that then make them money. So their fees are low, but then they make money off commissions. And you never really know, are they steering me into this product because it's right for me or are they steering into this product because it's right for them? 
And I didn't want to do something like that. And that's what I liked about Dave Ramsey. Um, well, Chris is local here in Georgia. Um, and I, I, he's a little more up to date, I think, than some of the stuff that uh, Dave does with credit cards and whatnot. And just he's a good guy, former youth pastor, uh, now does financial advising. Glad to have him be a part of the show. And they sponsor the program now. Uh, after Christy and I started using them, we developed a friendship. He's a great sponsor, great company, dynamicmoney.com. If you need help uh, just building your family budget, learning financial management, teaching your kids financial management, trying to get your family out of debt, um, you name it, Chris is somebody to talk to. My wife and I really do use Chris and Dynamic Money. Uh, they have really helped us come up with a good financial plan. Uh, and uh, looking forward to having him fill in next week. And Alan Sanders, the voice of Bartow County, is going to be filling in as well for me next week. The phone number, if you want to be a part of the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Um, this indictment has now been released against these uh, people who are have been uh, arrested. They were connected to Rudy Giuliani. They were feeding Rudy Giuliani information about Ukraine and Joe Biden. Um, let me read to you part of this indictment. Byron York has flagged on Twitter. Beginning in or around July 2018, Lev Parnas, Igor Fruman, David Correa, and Andrew Kukushkin, the defendants, made plans to form a recreational marijuana business that would be funded by Foreign National One and required gaining access to retail marijuana licenses in particular states, including Nevada, called the Business Venture. In early September 2018, Parnas, Fruman, Korea, and Kukushnin and Foreign National One met in Las Vegas to discuss the venture. While in Las Vegas, uh, the... Parnas, Fruman, and Kukushkin attended a political fundraiser for a state candidate in Nevada, candidate one. Shortly after that meeting, uh, they began to formalize the business venture with the Foreign National and fund their lobbying efforts, but took steps to hide the Foreign National's involvement in the business venture, including any political contributions associated due to, in Kukushkin's words, his Russian roots and current political paranoia about it. To further the business venture, the defendants plan to use Foreign National One as a source of funding for donations and contributions to state and federal candidates and politicians in Nevada, New York, and other states to facilitate acquisition of retail marijuana licenses. In or about September and October 2018, Correa drafted a table of political donations and contributions, which was subsequently circulated to the defendants and Foreign National One. The table described a multi-state license strategy to further the business venture. The table contemplated approximately between $1 and $2 million in political contributions to federal and state political committees. The table included a funding schedule of two $500,000 transfers. Foreign National One then arranged for two $500,000 wires on or about September 18, 2018 and October 16, 2018 to be sent from overseas accounts to a U.S. corporate bank account controlled by Fruman and another individual. Lev Parnas, Igor Fruman, David Korea, and Andrew Kukushkin, the defendants, then used those funds transferred by the foreign national to attempt to gain influence and the appearance of influence with politicians and candidates. For example, on or about October 20, 2018, Parnas, Furman, and Kukushkin attended a campaign rally for a candidate in Nevada at which a different Nevada state candidate was present and sent photographs of themselves posing with the candidate to foreign national uh, investor. 
in, um, let's see, November 1st, 2018, a donation of $10,000 was made to the other candidate in Fruman's name, but it was funded by the foreign national. On about November 1st, the donation of 10000 was made to candidate number one. Notwithstanding the purported purpose of the business venture and the donations described above, the defendants did not timely apply for a recreational marijuana license, uh, the then deadline for the application. Maybe they were stoned. On or about October 25th, 2018, um, the defendants uh, were two months too late to the game unless the rules were changed and noted they needed a particular Nevada state official to greenlight the implementation. They made a $10,000 donation funded by the foreign national on or about November 1st and then arranged for additional funding. So these guys were idiots. Uh, These are the guys who helped Rudy Giuliani connect with people in Ukraine to dig up dirt on Joe Biden and clearly idiots. I mean, they could have filed. They wanted a a recreational marijuana license to operate a pot shop in Las Vegas and they missed the deadline. So they decided they needed to give a $10,000 political donation to a state official to try to get that official to let them into the game after they missed the deadline. And then they somehow decided to get involved in giving money to Trump and decided somehow to connect to um, connect to Rudy Giuliani. And then in connecting to Rudy Giuliani to feed him information on Ukraine and the rest is history. Oh my goodness gracious. So in other words, um, Rudy Giuliani relied on two idiots from Ukraine to feed him information on Joe Biden uh, that may or may not be true. And the rest is history. Now, speaking of Biden, uh, this is not going to help him, I don't think. Hillary Clinton is out defending Joe Biden. Listen to this. You know, Judy, this is the goal of the Trump strategy. It is to raise questions. There is no evidence that either one of them did anything wrong. Could there be a question of judgment about, about his son? Well, that's fair game. But there is absolutely no evidence. And there, there will not be any evidence uh, that Joe Biden did anything wrong. Enough with these wild, unfounded conspiracy theories using the help of foreign governments to interfere in our elections and to undermine uh, people who've been in the public eye for a long time. And I hope that uh, the American public rejects this as they should. Oh, yes. As they, except, you know, there are there's a there there with this. There really is. Um, there is a there there with this. Despite Joe Biden's bluster, Biden on the campaign trail, Democrats saying this is the strongest Joe Biden's ever been. This is the clearest Joe Biden's been on this issue. Our democracy, our basic integrity, he should be impeached. That's not only because of what he's done to answer whether he has committed acts of sufficient to warrant impeachment is obvious. We see it in Trump's own words. We see it in the text from State Department officials that have been made public. We see it in his pulling much of the United States government into his corrupt schemes, individuals within the government, his appointees. But we have to remember that impeachment isn't only, isn't only about what the president has done. It's about the threat the president poses to the nation if allowed to remain in office. 
Yeah, whatever. I don't think it helps the Democrats to have Joe Biden out there on this front. I I, I don't think it helps at all for the for the, the partisan Democrats. If they want this to be treated credibly, for them to make it a partisan issue, I don't think it works for them. Uh, but they can't help themselves on this issue. I mean, they, they really can't help themselves on this issue. Now, one of the things that uh, the media can't help themselves with is showing their bias on this front either. The media has been running through a lot of old sound bites about uh, Republican positions in the Clinton impeachment and how diametrically opposed they are to the views that they offered back during the Clinton impeachment scandal. Uh, they're showing, for example, um, Lindsey Graham's position that the president can't withhold information from Congress, now saying he can. Um, they're Lindsey Graham's position that you, you don't need direct evidence and now saying you do. Uh, you don't. You could listen to a whistleblower then, you can't now, that sort of thing. And listen, it's fair game. Let's be honest about it. It is fair game for the media to point out that hypocrisy. The problem is that they're not doing it to the other side. Uh, Democrats were very aggressively defending um, Bill Clinton in the 1990s. They were then taking the positions that the Republicans are taking now. And the Democrats aren't pointing, or the media is not pointing out that hypocrisy. The media is not pointing out that the roles have reversed. The media is not pointing out that uh, back in the 1990s, Nancy Pelosi, etc., was um, willing to take positions that they're directly opposite now in the same way Republicans are. They're only focusing on Republican hypocrisy. And in focusing only on Republican hypocrisy, they're giving Republicans the opportunity to say, listen, uh, these people are biased against us. You can't listen to these people. And it's the, very much the same way with the, um, with the Elizabeth Warren story. You've actually got people in the media, I kid you not, there are ample reporters out there from CNBC to the Washington Post to the New York Times to CNN to MSNBC saying, listen, we know that women were fired in the 1970s for being pregnant, so clearly Elizabeth Warren's telling the truth. Elizabeth Warren, I, I it, it covered this last hour, Elizabeth Warren on the campaign trail right now saying she was fired for being pregnant. The problem is that Elizabeth Warren in 2007 and 2008 in multiple interviews and in her book said she left her job on her own because she was pregnant and she and her husband decided it wasn't worth her keeping the job. I was married at 19 uh, and then graduated from, from college actually after I'd, I'd married. And my first year post-graduation, uh, uh, I worked, it was in a public school system, but I worked with the, the children with disabilities. And um, I did that for a year. And then that summer, uh, I, I actually didn't have the education courses, so I was on an emergency certificate, it was mm -hmm. called. And I went back to graduate school and took a couple of courses in education and said, I don't think this is going to work out for me. Mm. And I was pregnant with my first baby. So I had a baby uh, and stayed home for a couple of years. And I was really casting about, thinking, what am I going to do? Completely different from the story she tells Nellie. By the way, anybody else notice she says she was pregnant with a baby? She wasn't pregnant with a fetus. She wasn't pregnant with a, a clump of cells. She was pregnant with a baby fascinating, fascinating language she chose to use there. But nonetheless, 
completely contradicts herself now. Of all things, Morning Joe on MSNBC had to point this out. Media outlets have recently pointed to a 2007 interview in which Warren did not mention her pregnancy as a reason for leaving her job. Warren's campaign told the Washington Post that the differences in her story came from her opening up more about the account since her first run for office in 2012. This is the latest issue that has stirred up controversy among the new Democratic National Front Runners detractors. Her past claim of Native American ancestry resulted in an apology to tribes last year. And her tweet earlier this year that the police officer who shot Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri, murdered the 18-year-old, was awarded four Pinocchios by a Washington Post fact check. You know, the thing here is that the media has doubled down in defense of Elizabeth Warren. I'm old enough to remember when they said Donald Trump lying about random stuff was a sign of trouble to come. And yet Elizabeth Warren has lied about her heritage. She's lied about getting fired. She's lied about the Michael uh, Brown thing in Ferguson, Missouri. And most of the media continues to cover for her. If it's a sign of trouble for Trump, is it not a sign of trouble for Elizabeth Warren? I mean, they continue to try to justify these things. They continue to try to apologize for Elizabeth Warren. They continue to try to make excuses for her. It seems to me that it is a real uh, problem for her and for her campaign. And yet the media covers for her. Is it any wonder that so many Republicans who don't particularly like the president are still committed to supporting him because they see the ridiculous bias from the media when it comes to covering the Democrats. And they think, why shouldn't they stand with the president? If the media is willing to do that much duck and cover for the Democrats, what are they lying about with the president? It, it actually explains why there's so much loyal support for the president, even when he does things like he does with the Kurds and whatnot. Because how do you even know that it's true? I can't tell you the number of people I encounter on a regular basis who support the president and they really don't believe any of the stuff about him because they hear it from the media. The media lies. The media protects the Democrats. And they're right. They're right. Even if I think they're wrong about some of the stuff, I, and I think the president did do some of the stuff. But I can't blame them. I, I, I certainly can't blame them. Because the media is out to get you and me for being conservatives. Look at the way they hound Christians. Look at the way the media goes after conservative small businessmen. Look at the way the media goes after the president with stuff they would never go after a Democrat for. There's clearly a bias in the press these days, and it's hurting their credibility, but it's also hurting the conversation in the public because nobody really knows what to believe anymore. Holy moly, uh, Nike. Remember Nike running the, the Colin Kaepernick ad, believe in something even if it, even if you have to sacrifice or, or cost you whatever? Nike has pulled Houston Rockets merchandise from their stores in China uh, at the demands of the Chinese government. Wow. Yeah, Nike, uh, what, a, what a brave, woke corporation. Uh, again, I, I can't emphasize enough that wokeness and totalitarianism go hand in hand. I want to play you this unbelievable audio. This is Gail Bradbook, um, who is a a one of the um, oh the 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 environmental protesters in London right now. 
uh, I forget what they're calling themselves now, but essentially they, they believe that, that we're, humanity is exterminating itself and something must happen. The, but listen to how all of this plays into wokeness. What really needs to happen is we have to go into drawdown. We have to be bringing carbon out of the atmosphere and we can't wait for these magical technologies that are somehow going to suck the carbon out of the atmosphere in the future. I mean, we can do business as usual. And so um, what we have to do, what we're going to need to do is really work with nature to repair the climate. And that's also going to tackle this um, evil twin or evil triplet, you know, of, of biodiversity loss. We've got the evil twin of ocean acidification and how we're wrecking our oceans. So all of this has got to be cleaned up. And what that means is we need like a lot of human labor. So humanity has to rise up in a really beautiful way and tend to the damage that we've done. And that needs all of us. And it needs all of us together in the places of the earth that's going to sustain life, working together to, to rewild areas, to um, restore ecosystems, to clean up the rivers, to uh, plant trees, uh, you know, to, to basically, you know, sort the plastic out in the ocean and so on. And I actually think that there's so many beautiful innovations out there and humanity could do that together and it needs all of us. And for me, this is part of reweaving a human family back together again. It's part of dealing with systemic racism, white supremacy and the, and the, and the wounds of patriarchy that want to separate us make us feel powerless and, um, you know, destroy our togetherness and make us think that, you know, the whole planet's kind of scarce when actually nature is abundant and it, it, it replenishes itself. Wait, 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 wait. So the patriarchy has convinced you that nature is scarce and white supremacy has convinced you the environment is a result. You're the people screaming out there claiming that we're about to all go ex extinct. This is... Crazy, crazy insanity. Um, the, the the white supremacy, environmental justice, um, the patriarchy is is poisoning the planet. This is a word salad of gobbledygook from insane people. They are literally crawling in the streets of London right now while I'm talking. Uh, it's it's evening in London right now, and they're crawling in the street. These people are nuts. They, they are nuts. Um, and yet, here we go. Now, when we come back, we got to spend a little more time on this because Elizabeth Warren has decided to partner with uh, Rashida Tlaib and others for wackadoo environmental justice nonsense in Congress. Uh, they, they've got out some, uh, you, you just, you got to listen to the audio when we come back. This stuff is just so crazy. And there's continuing to be developments in the NBA and in corporate stuff. I mentioned Apple has withdrawn, uh, pulled an app from the App Store this morning after China complained. Nike pulling the Houston Rockets merchandise from their Chinese stores. And the list goes on and on and on. I'll bring you the latest when we come back. It is Eric Erickson here. There, there is news right now. Uh, these individuals who uh, are be, have been arrested, they were helping Rudy Giuliani. Uh, they were connecting him on the ground to sources in Ukraine uh, about the um, uh, about the Ukrainian investigation. So part one of them, Parnas, was supposed to be headed to Capitol Hill for a deposition with House impeachment investigators. Fruman was supposed to be uh, interviewed tomorrow. Um, and. They have been arrested trying to leave the United States, apparently. Uh, looks like the Southern District of New York had to 
catch them quickly. Um, just interesting, interesting situation. Um, I, so I, I want to go back to the the stuff. You know, so I've got a nationally syndicated column. It runs in um, newspapers around the country. Although, oddly enough, um, the, the AJC here in Atlanta um, it doesn't take that. You would think they would want to have a local voice who does national stuff, but they don't. Um, and I, my column comes out tomorrow, and it is on these corporate commies. There's a preview of it at theresurgent.com today on all of these American corporations that are willing to sell out to China. We've got... Um, We've got Apple pulling an app from the App Store. We've got Nike pulling Houston Rockets stuff from China. We've got NBA players who speak up on every issue under the sun suddenly claiming they're too ignorant about China to say anything about what China's doing to uh, its minority religious groups and to Hong Kong protesters. Uh, we've got Marriott willing to fire people at the behest of China. We've got American Airlines and United willing to change the maps they use in their uh, in-flight magazines and on their websites so that Taiwan appears to be a territory of China as opposed to a sovereign independent country. And now I've got to ask about the free press in the United States. I think it is relevant. I think it's something that needs to be raised here. Um, what do we as a nation do when our major media outlets are owned by multinational conglomerates, though based in America, they're trying to break into Chinese markets? Look at ESPN. ESPN is owned by Disney. ESPN has shown a graphic that shows uh, Taiwan as part of Chinese territory and also shows their uh, Chinese ring of islands that suggest that China owns the South China Sea. Uh, that a world court has said is, is inappropriate, and yet ESPN is using this Chinese propaganda map as a display of China to talk about this issue. ESPN owned by Disney. ABC News also owned by Disney. And uh, Disney needs China to make its billion-dollar box office. What are the movies? Um, Disney billion-dollar films 2019. Yeah, I'm, I'm Googling on the fly here because I, I, I know some of them. Um, let's see. You got The Lion King. You got Toy Story 4. You've got Aladdin. You've got Avengers Endgame. Um, what else do we have here? Yeah. In game, um, Spider-Man far from home counts because even though that's Sony, uh, Disney distributed it. Uh, so toy story, Aladdin, uh, Captain Marvel forgot about that one. Repressed that one. the, the Lion King Avengers in game. So you've got Disney making the, the massive movies and they rely on China to get their billion dollar box office. So they can't afford to offend the Chinese and have their movies taken out of China. You've got Paramount Paramount making movies with China. Uh, Top Gun, the Top Gun sequel that is absolutely unneeded, but Tom Cruise needs to do so. I guess he's got a tithe due with Scientology or something. I don't know. Uh, he's got to remake Top Gun, essentially make a sequel to it. And they've taken uh, the Taiwan flag office jacket and the Japanese flag office jacket. 
Apple pulling that. You, you've got other major American corporations bowing to China. What happens to the media networks? CNN is owned by AT&T, but it is within the division of Warner Media. Warner Media has Warner Brothers. They have the Harry Potter franchise. They have uh, DC Comics, so Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, all of that. And DC, just like Disney, needs China to make its massive box offices. What happens when China punishes Warner Films because of CNN coverage? What happens to CNN's coverage of China? What happens to CNN's coverage of Hong Kong? I think, I mean, we, we got to ask ourselves this. We flat out need to ask ourselves what happens. I think it's relevant. Where do Americans go to get their news? Now, you can say, and it's a legitimate thing to say right now, um, how and why should Americans trust anything they hear in the media right now when the media is so in the tank for the Democrats? I mean, why, why, why should we? Why should any conservative trust the media right now? The answer I would tell you, the answer I would give you, is that there are still a lot of good reporters just trying to tell the news. And as long as you understand the biases in the press, you can get a sense of what's fair and what's not. Um, listen, as much as there are Democrats in the press who really are out to get Republicans, there are certainly in some press outlets, including at Fox, I think, there are conservatives who are trying to spin for the president. There is real news out there, and there is real truth. And I don't know that you get it any more at Fox than you do CNN or MSNBC these days. I mean, frankly, I think a lot of John Solomon's reporting is garbage. And he's routinely on Fox News, and I get hate mail from people all the time saying, oh, you're contradicting John Solomon, as if he's if, if he's a gospel voice. He's not a gospel voice. He's just as much a partisan as somebody at the New York Times, I think. And I, I think he's badly misled a lot of people and sent people down rabbit holes that are that are illegitimate rabbit holes, that are kooky conspiracy theories. But he certainly gets some things right. He does get some things right. And you can't dismiss the things he gets right. You can't dismiss the things that, that people on the left get right, too. Occasionally, they get things right. Even a stop clock is right twice a day. Progressives can sometimes be right on things. But somewhere is real truth. The problem I have learned in the media more and more is that uh, real truth, oftentimes you don't get it not because they give you a shaded version of the truth, but because they don't give you the story at all. And that's what I worry about is, is they don't give you the story at all. I want to play some audio for you. This has actually happened to a friend of mine. Uh, showed up on, on Twitter last night. And I thought, oh, wow. Hey, wait, I know that guy. That's Eric. Um, he, he and a couple buddies holding up a sign. All it did was say Google Uyghur. Google Uyghur. That's all it said. It wasn't political. But what, what was the reasoning? What, what's the reason? So, so, I understand you're doing your okay. job, sir. Totally. Just Capitol Arena. We understand we respect your, your freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. um, we are just personally not having, we don't have any stance on it. And so we're just asking no one is, any sign is related to that being in here tonight. And so, uh, and under, what was the, uh, it's so the I just sign? explained it. And that's what it is. Under the sign standard, okay. or and it's also outside of our sign standard. So okay. I can ask you guys. I'm gonna have to take. 
That's the NBA security guy at the arena in Washington, D.C., taking someone's sign away as the American national anthem is being sung. The American national anthem being sung in an American arena a mile from where the actual physical Bill of Rights is, and the NBA is escorting people out who are holding up signs about China and Hong Kong. Now, certainly they're a private entity, and the First Amendment only applies to governmental entity, but still, the irony is very rich there. How much longer, are are you going to see that on ABC News? Is ABC News going to cover the China-Hong Kong situation and what's happening to Americans in American facilities when Disney can't anger China? Is CNN going to be able to continue to cover this? When Warner doesn't want to anger China, is MSNBC and NBC going to be able to cover this when Comcast Universal doesn't want to anger China? Again, media bias, it's not just in how the media shapes the news. It's on what they cover and what they don't cover. When I was at CNN, uh, I've got a lot of good friends at CNN. I was at CNN for three years. And there are a lot of good people at CNN who you would know who actually are mindful that even they live in a bubble, that even they do have a left of center worldview, that most of their friends are liberal, and they've got to make a concerted effort to reach out and try to find out what conservatives are thinking about, what are conservative views on things. And I think they've gotten really bad these days about only finding people who um, take their side, even among conservatives. I, I think there is a real problem there. But they used to try to cover things as fairly as they can. But what I found repeatedly at CNN when I was there is that frequently I was asked to discuss a story that originated on left-wing websites. I cannot recall a single time when I was at CNN where they ever discussed a story that came out from a right-of-center site, whether it be the Washington Free Beacon, Red State, The Resurgent, you name it. They never did that. I can never think of I can't. There's not a single time I can recall in my three years at the network where a story that originated on the right of center site became something we talked about in the news. And it's not that those stories weren't there. They existed. They just weren't covered. And that was where the bias was. It wasn't in how they covered stories more often or not. It, it was what they covered or what they didn't cover. And I wonder what's going to happen with this China situation. As this goes on, I wonder what's going to happen when Warner gets saber rattling from China. What happens to CNN or Universal or Disney? Disney owns ABC. And now you've got CBS Viacom. CBS Viacom. Viacom owns CBS News. What happens when Viacom has interest in China? What about Fox? Now, Fox, to some degree, is a little more protected than the others because uh, 20th Century Fox is now owned by Disney. But the Murdoch family still has lots of ties uh, that could be impeded. It, it, it's got to make you wonder what's going to happen. Who's going to cover these stories? What about the Washington Post? It's owned by Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos certainly has international ties, including ties into China. And then, of course, there is the woke issue. 
And we see this across the board. I want to play for you this audio. I mentioned it earlier. It ties into this. This is Elizabeth Warren teaming with Rashida Tlaib on environmental justice nonsense. Um, the wokeness, the authoritarianism, uh, the, the NBA willing to take positions in this country and take positions in, uh, and not say anything about China because the wokeness is a form of authoritarianism. They want to bully and badger people into doing what they think is right. It is a progressive secular religion that they're doing. Environmentalism plays into this. I played you the crackpot lady who says that the patriarchy has been impeding environmentalism. This is Elizabeth Warren and Rashida Tlaib teaming up for an environmental program. They figure they'll dump it all here. Yeah. Because you're people without political power. So better data that's collected independently, that's made available, meaningful enforcement of the current laws, including if you can't meet the standards, then you've got to be shut down. Find a way to meet them or don't do business. But you don't get to push it off on our kids. These big corporations have enough muscle with the government that they squeeze it to get tax breaks. So the cost of running these schools and keeping these roads paved fall disproportionately on you. So you're not only paying the cost in terms of what you breathe, what your children breathe, your bodies, you're also paying the cost out of pocket. Yeah, environmental justice. Environmental justice, that's that's the new big thing out there on the left. That that that's where wokeness has led them to. Uh that that poor people are being dumped on uh by major you, you know your coal plant can't be in the middle of a city. So it's gotta be out away from a city. The existence of the coal plant away from the city then drags down the property values around where the coal plant is situated. Those values become cheap, and guess what? Poor people take up residence there. It's not that the environmentally polluting major corporations went out and found poor people to dump on. It's that they were there, the land was cheap, the other people moved in. They've got it completely backwards from how it happened. And yet the media will amplify that and all of this wokeness. It, it, it really is amazing to see really is pathetic to see but it's to be expected these days i do kind of wonder though are we going to see more of these sorts of stories where the media goes fully in on woke with the left they amplify all of these issues and then full circle to what aren't they covering and i'm assuming they're not going to cover china I'm assuming that we're going to see less and less China coverage from some of our major media outlets because they're owned by uh, these major conglomerates that need China. So, And what they will do, what they will replace it with is, is their own form of authoritarianism, their, their woke coverage that these major corporations are bad, these major corporations are polluters, these major, the, the, the patriarchy is bad, white men have dominated too much. Did y'all hear, by the way, the woman in, um, in Minnesota, where is this? I, I bookmarked this. I got to play you this audio. This is in a, a township in Minnesota. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Illinois, Oak Park, Illinois, a trustee, Susan Buchanan. She's blasting, she's white, and she's blasting her colleagues for being white because she wants a new diversity policy. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to hear what you have to say. Serious. Jim, why do you have an opinion on this? Come on, Susan. Susan, this is, I won't say a word. That's why I like to... You shouldn't have an opinion on I that. Met this with, is I met with constituents of if color, and quite honestly, on some equity. of the feedback was that some of this wording was ridiculous. No. You have been white from birth. 
Why are you arguing? What is a system of oppression? You've never experienced one. Mm -hmm. Okay. So shut up. Uh, I don't want to hear from you. Okay. Just stop. Just stop, Dan. Stop, Dino. You are not oppressed. And I'm, people in Oak Park are. And we are trying to recognize that as a community. Mm -hmm. This mayor and this board is obviously not willing to face history. We have a chance to make history. It is time for this community mm -hmm. um, to face equity enough. And you stop it. You are a white male. I, you true. stop it. You are a white male. Yeah, Your skin stop. is light enough. I'm stop not, it. I got elected. I think if we... Um, reduce these conversations to nobody cares what you have to say because you're a white male. I, I, I don't think we're doing this right. Uh, yeah, I think so. But I, I suspect as the media can no longer report on stuff like Hong Kong, we're going to have more of this. Uh, they're they're going to make this woman a hero in the media for daring to stand up to the patriarchy. They gotta find some way to stretch their authoritarianism and claim that they're covering news while not actually covering news. Before I get out of here, I, I, speaking of wokeness and authoritarianism and whatnot, in California, uh, the utility company there is turning off the lights in Northern California. They they are literally making it go dark for a week on end. Uh, they are turning off the power in Northern California. This is PG and E Pacific gas and electric. Now, why are they doing it? it? You know, there's an issue here in Georgia where Georgia power uh, wants to raise the base rate. They want to raise the base rate of power in the state because of management of power lines. As rich people put solar panels on their roofs and go off, uh, it raises the rest of our costs and Georgia power goes around the state and clears the power lines of debris and limbs falling on them and whatnot, uh, particularly when hurricanes and stuff come through. They want to keep the power lines out of areas where there's trees overhanging that can take out the power lines. Well, PG&E, Pacific Gas and Electric, has spent so much time investing in woke energy policies, they didn't have the money to handle the basics of the power lines. I, and I'm not making that up. The Wall Street Journal has the story out. Uh, in California... PG&E spent all of their time and resources on investing in solar power and wind power and didn't have the money to cover the basics of power line maintenance in Northern California. They have not been trimming trees over power lines, and there are now high winds in Northern California. Last year, PG&E got blamed for starting that big, uh, that big fire that burned a bunch of homes and killed a lot of people. And there's a big lawsuit as a result of it. Well, they weren't trimming the trees around the power lines. And they weren't doing it because they were focused on solar power. They were focused on wind power. They were trying to comply with California's green energy demands. And in complying with California's green energy demands, they simply didn't have the money in the budget to do basic maintenance. And so they let it slip. And so this year, there are high winds right now in Northern California. They've turned out the power, and they may not turn the power back on for a week because they don't want the limbs to fall in the wind and hit the power lines that then cause sparks that then might cause wildfires so they get blamed again. I mean, this is, this is third world business. 
And it's not their fault. You do need to understand this. It's not their fault. They have had to comply with so many regulations and demands from California. They literally had to tap into their budget for maintenance. It's something that Georgia Power doesn't want to do. They're trying to be responsible, which is one reason they're trying to raise their fees here uh, across the board as cheaply as possible so they can do the basic maintenance so they don't wind up like PG&E. Absolutely ridiculous. This is wokeness, social justice, and environmentalism colliding in California against the consumers.